Hey, church family, I am uh, excited to be starting a new sermon series this morning that we're just calling Worth the Fight. And, and uh, let me just invite you just, uh, just to quickly step into uh, where we're going to be coming from in this text. We're going to preach all three sermons in the series out of the very same passage of Scripture. And, and you could honestly say, if you wanted to, this is, this is Paul's deathbed confession, but it's not like he's, he's confessing some deep, dark sin. Instead, it, it's really Paul's deathbed declaration. I mean, he's, he's wrapping up a lifetime of following Jesus and wisdom and knowledge and, and just receiving the grace of God and peace that God gives and, and the wisdom that he shared with others. And he's wrapping it all up into a few words that if we just sit here with these words, they have the potential. I believe God can use the words that Paul spoke and wrote to impact the way we live our life today in light of the day that is coming. And let me give you a spoiler alert. Uh, the words that Paul says on his deathbed at the end of his run is so different than the words that Napoleon Bonaparte, not dynamite, by the way, but Bonaparte uh, said on his deathbed, history records that he said, I die before my time and my body will be given back to earth to become the food of worms such is the fate which awaits the great Napoleon. He did not struggle with humility. It was not a fight that he fought. And uh, the words that Paul said are so different. Uh, the words that Paul said are so different than the words of Gandhi. History records that this Hindu religious leader, uh, when he was at the end of his days, said this, I'm not likely to live very long for the first time in 50 years, I find myself in a slew of despond. All about me is darkness. I am praying for the light. What about you? If someone is there when you are about to breathe your last, and I pray someone will be there, and if they record your last words, uh, what are your words gonna sound like? A lot like Napoleon? Oh, well, get ready, worms, here I come. Are they going to sound a lot like Gandhi? I'm so depressed. All I can see is darkness. Let me find a little bit of light. I much prefer the words of Jesus, right? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible says he breathed his last in those moments. And I also prefer the words that Paul wrote. You'll find them in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And for time's sake, I'd love to have you stand, and I'd love for us to just sit in these words for a few moments. But for time's sake, let me just Jump right in, open your Bible to that portion of Scripture, but listen as I read. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I much prefer to say something like that. 
And here's the thing that I pray that you would just allow in these moments the Holy Spirit to impress upon your heart, your mind, your soul. And it's this. We all finish our race. Every one of us are gonna come to the end of our days if the Lord tarries. We all finish our race, but only a few finish well. Uh, let's take the first part of that. Uh, we all finish our race. You know that's true. How many of you, raise your hand if you'd say, yeah, I recognize that the Lord tarries. We're all gonna finish our race. Let me see a show of hands. That's like 33% of us, yeah. The rest of y'all, I know you're waiting on the fountain of youth. I get it, but, but just let me just break it to you. Here's what Paul says. I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. He's writing this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. Uh, Timothy is now the pastor of the church in Ephesus, a church that Paul helped to establish. He's probably into about his fourth year of pastoring the church. Paul himself is in his second Roman imprisonment. Uh, the first uh, imprisonment in Rome uh, was, was pretty cushy. I mean, he was under house arrest. He was able to receive visitors. He was able to preach the gospel. He was able to write letters, which became about half of the New Testament. I mean, the first imprisonment wasn't anything like the second. Now Paul is in his second imprisonment. The year is probably 66 or 67 AD. Uh, Paul is now in chains. He is treated as a criminal. He is in a dungeon with no light to read by. It is crowded. It is dark, it is filthy, and it stinks, and he has been condemned to die by the Roman emperor Nero. About three years earlier, uh, Rome had burned. Uh, Nero was looking for a scapegoat, and the scapegoat were the believers, Christians, and so he was executing and crucifying Christians by the dozens and by the hundreds, and sure enough, Paul's number had come up, and he was about to be executed by Nero. But it's not just Paul's number that comes up, right? The reality is every one of us, our number comes up. The finish line, uh, we all face it. There was actually a prestigious university that did a study recently, and here's what they discovered. Uh, the mortality rate is still 100%. They haven't discovered the fountain of youth yet. And so here's the reality. Paul tells us, he just confronts us with this. And maybe you're not wanting to think about this today, but the truth is we all finish our race. Here's the deal. Only a few finish well. So how in the world do we finish well? Paul tells us, he says, I have fought the good fight. You want to finish well? You've got to fight the good fight. I love this word, fight. It really means to agonize, to, to, to really strive. I mean, when he says, I fought the good fight, he's talking about following Jesus. He's talking about getting up in the morning and reading his Bible and praying and confessing his sin. He's talking about forgiving those who've sinned against him. He's talking about giving the tithe. He's talking about walking in humility before God and saying no to his will and yes to the will of God. But he says, hey, following Jesus is a fight. It's the Greek word, agonizomai, and it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out, hey, we get our English word agony, agonize from this Greek word that Paul uses here. And so let me stop and ask you, have you ever felt that way? 
In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you a show of hands whether you can relate to what Paul is saying. Paul said, for me, it is a fight most days to follow Jesus. It's a fight to motivate myself to get up and read the Bible, pray, confess my sin, to bow my knee before Jesus and say, not my will, but your will be done. The biggest fight you'll ever fight is saying no to yourself, right? Do you ever feel like it's just a fight to forgive somebody who's offended you? You ever feel like it's a fight to just flee some immorality that you struggle with? You ever feel like it's a fight to practice generosity towards God and others? How many of you this morning, you just admit it uh, with Paul, you say, man, Paul, I can relate to that. In most days, it's a fight. It, it, I have to really strive to follow Jesus. Show of hands, how many of you would say, I, I can sympathize with Paul? That's 10%. The 90% of you, y'all are amazing. Satan has so lied to you. The truth is we're all there. It's a fight, but here's the thing. We don't fight in our own strength, right? We fight in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul says in another place, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He says in another place, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God works in you, giving you the will, the desire to do what pleases him. And he works within you, giving you the determination to work his good pleasure. So the reality is, it's a fight, it's a struggle, but we don't fight the fight in our own strength, we fight the fight in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, in all honesty, it's a lopsided fight because Satan has already been defeated. Now here's, here's an illustration that I hope can help make the point. There's a legend, I don't know if it's true, that once the Persians, when they were in decline, defeated the mighty Egyptian army. I mean, they defeated the Egyptians and, and the battle, the, the, the pivotal battle in the war, and this is 520 BC, 500 years before Jesus was born. Uh, the pivotal battle was the Battle of Pelusium, and, and, and in that battle, the Persians lost 7,000 soldiers. The Egyptians lost over 50,000. You go, how did the Persians pull it off? I'll tell you how they pulled it off. The power of the cat. C-A-T, cat. See, in that day, 500 years before the birth of Jesus, the Egyptians uh, thought that cats were sacred, and so they would never harm a cat. They wouldn't even harm the image of a cat because they believe cats are sacred, like a lot of cat owners I know today. And, and so the Persian king did something really remarkable. He instructed all of his soldiers to paint the image of a cat on the shields of his soldiers. And so his soldiers marched into battle with this image of a cat on their shield. Uh, the Egyptians were frozen. The Egyptians refused to fight, and they were slaughtered. You go, Gary, what in the point, what in the world is the point you're trying to make here? I I'm telling you, I don't know if that legend is true or not, but I do know this. 
Following Jesus is a fight, but when we do the fight, when we follow Jesus, even though it's an agony some days, we just have to strive. But when we fight in the power of the Holy Spirit, here's the reality. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the bright and morning star. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. And the reality is we can win the fight, even though it's a fight to follow Jesus. When we do so in the power of the Holy Spirit, We can't lose the fight. Amen? So Paul said, everybody's going to finish the race, but only a few are going to finish well. You want to finish well? Here's here's what you got to do. You got to fight the good fight, and you got to finish the race. I, I love how Paul speaks of following Jesus as a fight and as a race. Because by the way, what he's talking about here, finish the race, he's talking about following Jesus. He's talking about getting up and reading his Bible and praying and confessing his sin and yielding his will to the Father's will. He's talking about uh, seeking forgiveness from those whom we've sinned against, forgiving those who've sinned against us. He's talking about living out the great commandment, loving God and loving others. He's talking about living out the great commission, boldly sharing the gospel with those who are far from Jesus and helping them to become a disciple of Jesus and then baptizing them and connecting them to the body of Christ. He's talking about then discipling, teaching those who become followers how to follow Jesus. He says, I finished the race. What he's talking about is following Jesus. But what I want you to catch is he calls following Jesus. He says, think of following Jesus like this. Think of it like a fight, agonizing. And think of it like this. Think of it like a race. A couple of things I want you to think about concerning a race. Number one, if following Jesus is like a race, then here's what we know about a race. First of all, a race requires effort. And number two, a race has a finish line, right? Makes sense, right? Everybody with me? You're gonna run away, race it, or a race, either one. It requires effort, right? Show of hands here. I just wanna make sure you're listening. You had not lost me. Uh, number one, who, who would agree with this statement when it comes to a race, it's easier to just not put forth the effort. It's easier to just sit on the couch, veg, eat popcorn, and watch another episode of Lincoln Lawyer. How many of y'all would admit, hey, it's easier to veg than run a race? Again, 10%. There's only 10% of y'all that are ever gonna raise your hand to anything, okay? And I get it, I get it. I'm probably with a 90. But here's the thing. He says, it's an effort but it's an effort with a finish line. See, that's the cool part about races. Races, they have a starting point, but they also have a finishing point. A race doesn't last forever. A rest is coming. A new day is dawning. The return of Jesus is one day closer than it's ever been. Paul says in another place, I consider that the sufferings of this present time The sufferings that we go through when we're fighting the fight and running the race, when we're following Jesus, the suffering, the agony, and the strife, the effort that we have to put forth, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, the reality is we're running a race, not a marathon that has no end. I love to ride my bike, or I love to talk about loving to ride my bike more than I love riding my bike. 
The truth is, I, I haven't been writing lately, and I blame it not on laziness. And I know that's what you're thinking, and that's not true. That's offensive. It's because it's been triple digits. And so, I, naturally, I haven't written since April. But, 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 I'm going to get back at it as soon as the temps drop a little more. But here's the thing about riding a bike. Even when it's not triple digits outside, it still requires effort to go out and ride. Oh, oh sometimes uh, riding a bike, it's, it's like there's no change. Sometimes it's downhill. Sometimes it's easy. Uh, I've been riding in a group of riders, 20 or 25 of us, and you know, you're in the middle of the pack and you're going 20, 25 miles an hour even, and, and, and it's like there's no chain. It's like you're just being pulled along, and then eventually you work your way up to the head of the pack and you're the one doing the pulling and all of a sudden you're realizing, ooh, this requires effort. I remember one time riding around Lake Travis, the, the dam uh, in Austin and, and oh, the downhill side, oh, I'm telling you, I looked down, it's the fastest I've ever been going on a bike and I was going 45 miles an hour and I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm about to meet you up close and personal. And so I, I started braking and I'm telling you, we were on the shoulder of the road. I'm not sure who planned this route, but the cars were whizzing by me about three feet on my left, and I'm like, oh, this is the big one, Jesus. I'm coming. I'm coming. And, and so I, I finally make it to the bottom, and I'm thanking Jesus, and Jesus, I'll be good, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so nice, and Kim's going to love me because I'm going to be so nice. Thank you, Jesus. And then I had to start back up the other side. Now, the one thing you don't ever want to do when you're riding in a group, and I'm sure there were about 50 of us in this group, is you don't want to be the one person who has to get off your bike and walk your bike up the rest of the way. But I unashamedly had to walk my bike up the last 25 yards, and I'm like, I'm done, I'm out, you know, come get me, Kim, please. Drive to Austin, I'm sad, you know, and it's just like... Now, here's, here's what Paul's saying. Right now, we're doing the uphill. But guess what? Yeah, following Jesus is agony. Yes, following Jesus, man, it's a race, and you have to put forth effort. But guess what? The downhill is coming, and it's not always going to be an agony. It's not always going to require such effort. And the truth is, in the kingdom of heaven, it's downhill. In the kingdom of heaven, it's like there's no chain. In the kingdom of heaven, there's no temptation, no brokenness, no sin. No one is sinning against us, and the truth is, the downhill is coming so Paul said we're all going to finish our race if the Lord tarries but only a few of us are going to finish well the ones who finish well fight the fight run the race and notice as well it says they keep the faith I have kept the faith what does that mean I believe he's saying I've practiced the faith. We've already talked about that twice with the uh, fight and with the race. He's talking about following Jesus. I've gotten up, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I've confessed my sins, I've yielded my will to his will, I've given the tithe, I've served, I've listened, I've forgiven those who've sinned against me, I've asked forgiveness of those whom I've sinned against. He, he's talking about I've practiced the faith, but I believe he's also saying I preserve the faith. Think about the series that we just did, what is true. He, he is saying, you know what, I never compromised 
the faith. I didn't kind of start yielding to culture. I, I, I didn't slip into heresy. What he's saying is, I made God's word my authority for my faith and my practice. But I also believe he's not just saying I've practiced it and I've preserved it. He's saying I've passed on the faith. He's saying I didn't keep the faith to myself. I shared the gospel with others. And then those who became Christians and got baptized, I taught them how to follow Jesus. I passed it on to others. He says in one place, and what you have heard from me, Timothy, his son in the faith. Listen, you in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. For generations of discipleship right there from Paul to Timothy to faithful men to others he's saying I didn't keep the faith bottled up I didn't keep it to myself I passed it on to others here's the reality we all finish our race but only a few finish well my prayer is that this day you and I we just make the decision, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not satisfied to just finish my race. I want to be counted among those who finish well. My prayer is that you would be like the man from Rwanda who pinned the words to the fellowship of the unashamed. The story, 1980. Uh, I've been to Rwanda. I mean, genocide there was a real thing. His tribe gathered around him, and they told him if he didn't renounce his faith in Jesus Christ, that they would kill him. He refused to renounce his faith, and true to their word, they killed him. 1980, true story, Rwanda. The night before, he had written these words that's become known as the Fellowship of the Unashamed. Listen to this. He penned this the night before he died. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear, I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. May we all be a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Amen? <laughs> Paul's telling us, hey, all finish the race. Only a few finish well. May we be counted among the few who finish well. What would that look like for you to finish well? For some of you, it would mean getting into the race. 
It means you recognize that there's a kingdom, the kingdom of God, and that Jesus is the king, and that Jesus came and he died and was buried and he rose again. And what he invites you to do is to become a citizen of his kingdom by repenting of your sin, repenting of living as if you're your own king, and placing your faith, your trust in him, and declaring, you are my king. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For some of you... Getting into the race is the way to finish well for the rest. You've already done that. What would it look like today for you to finish well? It'd mean for some getting back into the fight. Where have you become half-hearted in your devotion to Jesus? Where have you uh, failed to confess sin? Get back into the fight. Yeah, it's an agony. You gotta agonize. You gotta put forth effort, but get back into the fight. For some, it would mean you get back into the race. Where do you need to step up and obey Jesus? Where do you need to maybe get back into a ministry that you were once involved in? Where do you need to teach again or greet again or give again or share Jesus again? Get back into the race. And for some, finishing well would mean that you embrace keeping the faith? Where have you begun to compromise God's authority over you in your faith or your practice? Have you allowed doubt to creep in, uh, apathy, heresy, a return to the faith? See, my prayer is this, that this day you will say, Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, here's my commitment. I don't want to just finish the race. I want to be counted among those who finish well. Richard's gonna come and dismiss us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, would you just stir in our hearts this idea, we're all gonna finish the race, but we can be counted among those who finish well. Lord, let us finish well. In Jesus' name, amen.